0: Would you care to step outside? We did it this.
1: Superman. My Sorry. friend. Me.
0: You are he. The last room has to come out to reveal the truth. I'm Batman. Meow. Hey, with my hand. Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome! Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Alright, hello. Welcome everyone to DC on RMD, the Stargirl edition. Wee! Where we talk about DC Universe's Stargirl, of course. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about episode 4 of season 1 titled... Wildcat. I am Michael Flores, your host, and with me today to discuss and break down is the one and only Bob. Hello, Bob. What's up, everybody? Alright, so Jeff Johns and the writers, they add a new face to the Justice Society of America. And for the most part, it worked. And I'll be honest, when I saw the title for this episode, I groaned. I was not ready for a new face yet i didn't feel ready in fact if you remember i want to say in episode one we had discussed the possibilities of hey there's going to be new faces this is about Mm -hmm. the justice league society of america yes it's titled star girl but no doubt it's going to be about rebuilding that superhero team and sure enough we Fourth episode in, we do get a second member, but for the most part, I feel like the way they brought Yolanda Montez into the fold did, in fact, work for me. Did it work for you? The, Were there any groaning moments where you kind of said, oh, shit, that feels a little forced, or did it work? Um, I started groaning just because I didn't
1: want the, you know, Justice League Society, the the teenage years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that we were all sudden, <laughs> yeah. now it looks like we're going to get that. Um, yeah. But um, I, I, you know, I like the way they set it up. It was somebody that's out there. And it kind of still goes back to my theory that there's something with this town.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like there needs to be a reason why. Okay, hold on. Let me backtrack. We both had voiced our our thoughts on justice society of America, the teenage years, Mm -hmm. and we didn't want that. But if there's a reason built into the story as to why we are getting the teenage years, let's say they build it into the story and there's a reason why these costumes or these props, these weapons adapt to these specific people for a reason then i feel like at the end of the day i would be okay with it.
1: Well, and that that's that's why i think the town has to be a bigger thing here. If we're going to give everybody superpowers at yeah. some point, there has to be something drawing these people to this town, whether it's on the villain side or the hero side. Because again, yeah. you can't just keep going around and trying to pull up every single like person and be like, "You're athletic, do you want to
0: try this on?" <laughs> you know <laughs> uh type scenario. Yeah, and, and this is and she's a white girl, she might start like racially profiling people. I'm like, You're you're a black dude, so you're gonna be, you're tall and you're strong, you like you're athletic, right? I'm gonna bring you one. She's gonna start doing what we all do in school. We pick the people who look like they're good yeah. athletically. Like, is like she it, gonna pick any nerds? Why would she? Is she gonna pick the fat kid in high school to be one of her teammates? She's not gonna come on. Mm, yeah, would, who would it, do trust that?
1: Trust me, the, the 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 chunky black girl with the glasses i know I Is know. totally gonna be in there and they'll be like <laughs> but if they're gonna do it they have to do it the right way to where the suit is way too tight and then it adapts fatter for her
0: no <laughs> jesus christ oh man what if it shazams her though you know like it just makes her look better she's also just like, Halle she's Barry. more <laughs> yeah jesus that's fucked up come on bob <laughs> Well, at least you're represented now as a superhero that's true Yolanda Montez I was like that's my peeps right there and is, finally and it's, a Mexican it, gets some 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 airtime here yeah. come on and, and playing up yeah. the stereotypical Mexican family of you've done us wrong and now you're grounded okay that is we're going to talk about that okay. a little bit later in the show because that is a stereotype but it's actually pretty fucking spot on there are a lot of those types of problems within the Latin culture. Mm -hmm. It's a form of misogyny. They hold women in a different, you know, they hold them above and they put them in a different category than say the males in the family and they hold them more accountable. But yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. So overall I was okay with how they brought in Wildcat um, because it still allowed us to get to know Courtney, because that was the biggest reason why. Outside of the teenage years thing, I also want to focus on our lead. the The show is called Star Girl. It's not called Justice Society of America. It's called Star Girl. And one of my biggest pet peeves right now, when it comes to the superhero shows, is you have a show titled, let's say, Arrow, or The Flash, and The show is no longer about them except for maybe five, 10 minutes. And then it's about every other superhero that they've introduced over the course of a season. And I'm like, well, what's the point of doing that? Just call the show, you know, justice society of America. Mm -hmm. So fortunately what they did was they also progressed and pushed forward uh, Courtney's overall character story as well. And that ultimately worked for me. Um, All right. So starting with that teaser, I think also worked uh, giving us Yolanda's backstory really quick, and then moving right back to the contemporary narrative. It kept the show from slowing down. That's something else that I was getting ready to gripe about. I'm like, all right, it's called Wildcat, and it happened what, what I don't, it was three months prior. Mm-hmm. I was like, shit, this whole episode is going to take place in the past. Fuck, is this what we're going to get? And fortunately, it's the it Guggenheim was literally- flashbacks. <laughs> oh fuck me dude if they did that I would have probably just raged during this discussion but luckily it was all but I don't know three minutes it was literally the teaser Yeah, that is smart I'm glad you know my hats off to um, Jeff Johns and the writers that they're not focusing on flashbacks and they're allowing the story to move forward they were simply giving us that little bit that we needed to understand where this new character Yolanda will be at or, or will be in this episode and how it will all work out. So Bob, before we move forward, what are your initial thoughts in this episode overall in a nutshell? Enjoy um, it. Like it pass. Um,
1: I, I liked it. I, I I think it wasn't as good as the first couple episodes, but it, they did what they needed to do to establish a new character, give you enough background to make you care about her. Um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, the Latin family because I mean, yeah. I've always joked about it. I, I grew up Mexican, so I understood a <laughs> lot of that shit that was going down. <laughs> like I've seen yeah. that stuff in real life. Uh, so there were some points that, uh, I definitely, I still hate the fucking brother, but that's another point altogether.
0: Oh, yeah. Courtney's brother. Yeah. Him and the fucking pop darts. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to understand what his purpose is. So far, it just seems like he's comedy relief. But if you're going to include a son, I got to think with these writers, there's going to be a reason. Eventually, Mm -hmm. there has to be. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why have him? I'm not even quite sure if Pat has a son in the comic books. I don't remember. Again, I'm not a big Justice Society of America super fan, so I don't remember or recall all the different stories. Mm hmm. Um, so, I'm hoping that his silliness does eventually turn into something. It means something. Yeah. Um. It's strange, though. Speaking of the son, did we even see the mom that much? She was, like, in, what, five minutes? Yeah, Amy Smart
1: is definitely
0: a, yeah. a, with, uh, a with character.
1: You know, the one at the end of the, <laughs> the credits, like, hey, remember, Amy Smart's in this. Yeah, it's strange that we didn't really get much of her either, so... I, I, you will, I, there'll probably be an episode I mean we've seen enough of the DC universe and just the way they put the shows yeah. together that it's like not like we saw Beast Boy every episode or we saw Cyborg every episode right. and Doom Patrol it was like alright we don't need them we don't need to put them on air and I always think that's yeah. one thing that the DCU does better than the CW is don't give a shit about airtime. just if people are gone and we don't need them let them be gone
0: yeah agreed All right, so a little bit of news. Uh, Comic artist Alex Ross calls out Stargirl for copying his art without giving him credit. So I was right. Yeah, that's why I bring this up because you had mentioned specifically, hey, I think this is Alex Ross's work because it looks just like the things that he has done in the past. Well, according to this article from Screen Rant, legendary artist Alex Ross called out DC Universe's Stargirl series for copying his Justice Society of America art without getting credit. Legendary artist Alex Ross is calling out the DC Universe show Stargirl for using homages of his work without proper credit. On his Twitter account, Ross tweeted out side-by-side comparisons of the Justice Society of America banners used in the show, as well as his own art, which clearly inspired the work. It's extremely strange to see DC Comics not properly credit Ross for his work. Ross did a handful of magnificent covers and occasional interiors for the Justice Society of America uh, run in 2006 by Jeff Johns. Uh, the series featured older members of the original JSA team up with the next wave of heroes including Cyclone, Citizen Steel and Wildcat. Now I do have some thoughts on this and I'm very curious about yours because I know you're more involved in the whole Comic-Con circuit and and these types of things. Personally, I don't think it's a big deal. If they're not using his specific work, then no credit is needed. He said it first or he said it himself, they used homages. I mean, tons of artists in TV shows will be inspired by things that they liked, things that they saw, and then their homages. Do you get mad if you don't get credit because someone is doing a homage of your work? Do you um, get what I'm saying? Like, it's a bit strange. Now, what I think is stranger is that they didn't just use his work. <laughs> yeah, Um.
1: so I work for Rain Man Digital. I get what I get from you for doing my job. If you reuse my voice in a different show that I'm not on, do I expect credit? No. You paid me for what I do. You can use it any way you fucking want. That's the way I look at this. Alex Ross was paid for his work for DC, right? Like, how are you supposed to, you know, give him credit it's not like when Jim Lee draws the sketch of Arrow for Arrow, he's like, oh, can I sign Jim Lee at the bottom of
0: it? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I it just, I don't know. I just, I guess from a creative side, I think there's a lot of people who respect work from people who came before or people you've worked with. Um, I mean, Tarantino has built his entire career on homages. Yeah. And using things he's inspired by and he doesn't give credit in his movie for what he was inspired by. So I don't know. I mean, I definitely get his irritation because these characters look. I think that probably might be the biggest insult is that he has a personal relationship with Jeff Johns right there. Number one. I mean, he worked with him in 2006 on these exact same characters. And then he recreates Banner's. Without even talking to him about it, apparently, so I feel like there's something else going on as well, like it feels like something personal hey bro i'm gonna to i'm gonna bite your work and um but not use your work and it also could be a licensing thing, it can be a budgetary thing let's say um you know we all know Alex Ross is a big name. Maybe the price was too steep for the budget to actually use his work. So they just do the Kmart version, but, you know, but again, I always when, wonder how that works. If I've already paid you to do
1: the job, like, uh, you know, we have our DC on yeah. CW old school promo that I paid that guy to draw. Well, it's right. mine now. I don't have to give him credit. I paid for it.
0: Yeah, it's very strange. But also we're dealing with TV, so maybe there's TV, perhaps in his contract, Alex Ross specifically said, hey, this work is for the purpose of this comic book, and if it's ever used again in any other medium, then contracts need to be reworked, and I need to be paid. Yeah. Well, uh, For example, if I were to, I've paid musicians uh, to compose things that I've worked on, and in their contract, it specifically says this is for this project only. If you choose to air it on the radio or use it on another project, then this contract is null and void, and we have to rework our negotiation. So that could be the case as well. Yeah. Well, Who knows? Obviously, it feels like a little bit of bad blood there, and um, I don't know, but we'll see what isn't happens. With isn't that. not
1: parity kind of legal? And isn't this part of it? You know, if you pay. You know if you're inspired by a different artist and you do artwork like them, doesn't that kind of fall into yeah. the parody category, even though it's not really funny I, yeah
0: it, it it's it's a strange it's a strange story, but that's why I was so um interested in it because this is all under one banner, you know there's mm-hmm. relationships there it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me I'll, so I'll, uh, we'll see'll see some if of my uh, friends Jeff Johns responds and gives a reason as to why. He didn't give credit or didn't even mention Alex Ross in any way. I mean, he could have at least said, you know, special thanks to Alex Ross at the end. Yeah, have done <laughs> you know something what? like that. They'll fucking at it now. So that makes me feel like there might be something else going on behind the scenes. All right, so let's move into the episode. Episode four of season one, titled Wildcat, directed by Rob Hardy, written by James Robinson. This synopsis, Courtney sets out to recruit new members to the Justice Society of America. Pat's suspicion is piqued following a bizarre conversation with one of the town's residents. All right, so this episode made me smile quite a bit, and I liked it. It was fun. It was cute. I don't typically use that word very often, especially to describe a show, but it was. This show isn't typically my cup of tea. I think that's pretty clear at this point. I've said it numerous times. Give me the brooding, you know, give me the tragedy type superheroes. Those are typically typically the things that I'm drawn to, but this show continues to capture, in my opinion, the heart of a true superhero story. You have hope, you have optimism, you have goodness. You know, and don't get me wrong. We definitely get our fair share of darker themes and oddities, as was the case with the villains. But Courtney, as a character, is enjoyable to watch on the screen. Mm -hmm. Um, She comes off as genuinely good, a bit naive. And that's the point. You know, she's young. She's learning this whole superhero thing. But it's charming. Yeah. And I feel like Brett Bess singer is doing a really good job with the role. It's excellent casting. And just to backtrack just a bit, I feel like the only negative, honestly, if I, could, if I had to find one for this episode, because I do agree that this episode isn't the strongest when you compare it to the previous three episodes, is the fact that we were missing Pat a bit. He kind of took a back seat. For me personally, Owen Wilson has been the MVP of pretty much every episode. You're going to call him
1: Owen every week? What's that? You're going
0: to call him Owen every week? Is that not his name? It's Luke. Oh, Luke Wilson. Owen Wilson's the one that well, looks like Ellen. Owen is the more popular brother, Yes, right? it is. Yeah, maybe that's why. Sorry, Luke Wilson. <laughs> Love you, bro. You're doing a great job.
1: <laughs> Trust me. I, maybe I'll remember your name eventually. Yeah, by the end of it, episode 13, you'll got it.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't bank on it. (laughs) Yeah, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I think that was the missing ingredient to this episode. It was the fact that we didn't have Luke Wilson front and center. We didn't have our big names. Even Amy Smart wasn't really at the center. Our main villain was not at the center. All three big names. Neil Jackson is the name of our lead villain. They all took a backseat this episode and you know, made room for the up and coming. Yeah. Right. The up and comers. Well, I think sometimes you have to do that.
1: I mean, you can't have them because eventually you know that some of these people will move on and they're going to have to hold the show on their own. So it's like, all right, let's, let's hook the people in for the first three episodes, you know, and have them do this duo, you know, tag team thing of running around together. And now this episode, they separated them and let them do their own things. And, you know, just to kind of take the training wheels off and let her do her thing. I mean, but you kind of had to do it because she's going behind his back at this point.
0: Yeah. No, it worked. It didn't make sense. Um, You're right. We need to see Courtney kind of go off on her own since, you know, she is the hero of the story and Pat is the sidekick. So she's going to have to make those leadership decisions. Plus, it made for an interesting, you know, smaller story. It took up maybe six, seven total minutes of screen mm-hmm. time. But the B story, which was um, the woman's death, uh, the wizard's wife, we were exposed to a little more nefarious going, goings on within the town. That's something you and I keep talking about. There's something odd and the fact that people go missing, I don't think it's simply, hey, she's talking and we need to murder her. There's something aloof. There's something definitely going on. You think they're like, Um, and the fact that we had that whole Twilight Zone uh, you know, bait with the conversation between Pat and the woman, she's all there's this town isn't normal. There's something going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like She didn't need to say that we are as an audience. We already know something's going on. The villains are there. (laughs) Pat knows that something is happening in this town. So the fact that the writers chose to have her say that directly to Pat, I think it just goes right back to what your theory was. This town is not normal. Yeah, no, no, definitely.
1: And I'm always wondering, like, does Grundy have anything to do with this? I hope.
0: I hope, man, because if you're going to be bringing him in, he's a big name. Like, something, they, th- they think it's a car accident, but that was fucking Grundy fucking up that car. Mm hmm. I mean, it would work. Yeah. So it was good. I like it. I, I think that might be my favorite part of the show so far is that mystery vibe. Yeah. No,
1: th- there's definitely something a- brewing th- that, yeah. y- you know, it's probably going to be episode eight or nine before we ever get the full picture of what's going on, if not more. I mean, w- when was the white space stuff with Doom Patrol episode like 12 or 13?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was late when you finally figured out what the fuck was going on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Excuse me. So, the script written by James Robinson um, also hit on some very real topics, an issue that is a problem socially. Um, for example, shaming women for leaked photos opposed to the assholes themselves that leak them. First off, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Come on, guys, don't share those leaked photos, it ruins it for the rest of us. <laughs> then we're not going to get our nudie photos because women are going to be afraid. Come on. they'll so just. Can you just show me in person then? Yeah, just do a, yeah. <laughs> I think with today's technology though, I think everyone's at risk. Even like a live performance may be captured by your alarm camera. You know, ADT might be doing its job a little too well. Y- yeah.
1: You know, what was it? Uh, Alexa was talking to people telling them to turn the channel when they got hacked. That's right. So, yeah, you might be thinking you're uh, scot-free and you're Alexa's taking pictures of you in the shower. <laughs> Dude, that would be
0: appalling. That would be so scary and just fucked up. But seriously, though, if someone did this to one of my nieces or if I had a daughter, I'd break their kneecaps. Would you ever blame your daughter, Bob, for leaked photos? <sighs> That's a tough one. I'm hoping to teach my daughter not to take pictures of her titty. Well, Um, I mean, if she has a boyfriend, I mean, isn't that something they're going to want to share with someone they're with, right? I don't know.
1: Like, that's the weird technology thing that, you know, is past my age at this point to where I'm not, you know, what am I, eight to 10 years older than most of my other hosts? Yeah. I was out of that phase of like, hey, send me a picture of your boobs. Here's my wiener.
0: Yeah, see, um, I don't get that. Like, I definitely, I think we're both old enough to kind of be, like, baffled by that. I'm never going to take a photo of my junk. and be like, hey, check it out. But like, I will don't...
1: Google junk and send you somebody else's. Oh, see, that's a good idea. I, I used to do that just messing with Angelica. I'm like, I'm going to send you dick pics. And I would send her, like, giant black dick. <laughs> She's like, I didn't know you were black.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, so,
1: check it out. But yeah, I yeah, I um uh, back I don't to know, the daughter do, thing. I uh, man, I don't know how i react. Like yeah, I would probably be pissed at the boyfriend, but uh, I'd also look at my daughter going, "Jesus, I I thought I raised you better." We'll yeah, I mean
0: shit. I mean, I get that. I do, I do understand that, but I definitely wouldn't shame them the way no. Yolanda was shamed by her family. I would be like, "Hey, listen, you need to be smarter than that. Don't I mean, listen, those are precious commodities. Don't just start you're talking about your daughter's tits it. like that. No, I'm just saying, listen, it's pri- <laughs> it's it's a private there. That might be a better way of saying that. It's a private thing. You know, make sure you know who you're sending these things to if you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully as a parent, you never get to that point because you would teach them, you know, to have some common sense. But if for whatever reason, you know, they do. End up doing such a thing. I mean. I just don't feel like we should shame. The the, the woman. For no. sharing something. But that was the point of the teaser. You can tell that. Even the character Yolanda. She, she wasn't quite sure she wanted to do it. And the way they directed that scene. It didn't make her look like. She was just some. You know, loosey-goosey, slut, just giving off tit shots to random dudes. It it was something that kind of caught her off guard. She wasn't quite certain if she was going to do it. But then she looked at the photo of her boyfriend, and you can tell by her face. She's all, you know what? I can trust him. I love Mm -hmm. him. This is something I want to do for him. So they did a great job directing that scene, and the actress that plays Yolanda did a great job. Capturing that scene and giving us the proper impression or conveying the proper vibe of that scene. But I did like the addition of Yolanda's story. It gives her a reason to stand up because it always comes down to story for me. Whether I agree with the shaming or whether or not you should be responsible for your actions doesn't really matter. What I look at is the story aspect. What does it do for the character Yolanda? And it does give her a reason to stand up. She will now become more than simply a sidekick to Courtney. Her story has some teeth. The idea that you have, you know, the, the this young woman who hates who she is. She's embarrassed and ashamed. And the obstacles she's got to overcome now are more grounded. It's something that a lot of us can relate to. The fact that her family are the very ones that have hurt her the most I mean, that's a statement. The fact that she can go to school every day, she can handle that nonsense. Yes, it's bullshit, but she can handle it. But when she comes home, your home is supposed to be your your sanctuary, You know, your fortress of solitude, a place where you have the best amount of strength, your support system. And she goes home to a place where she doesn't even have that. Yeah. And I feel like that is such a strong statement socially, but also in terms of character development those are really good ingredients to make this character interesting and I'm hoping they don't just forget that I'm hoping they don't say hey this was her setup and we're never going to go back to it I want that entire setup to be her obstacle for the rest of the season outside of the obvious you know outside of fighting villains I want that to be her personal obstacle I want to see her rise above right
1: yeah and we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier Um, part of the reason I bought it, you know, was because she is a Latina Yeah, and I've been around enough Mexican families in my life that I've seen this reaction and friends having to go to church every week because of something stupid they did because the mom, you know, chasing, chasing them around and, you know, you've done this family wrong. You've done wrong by God. You have to, you know. Do better, and you know you've shamed the family and was, I've seen this shit in real life, so I bought every moment of it
0: yeah no i it's very realistic, surprisingly, they captured that entire issue within that culture pretty fucking pretty fucking great, because that is a thing in Latin American culture it's a form of misogyny, both male and female. Ascribe to it, the mother and the father, they hold the daughter to a different set of values than, say, a male sibling. It absolutely happens. I've seen it happen in my family. And I'm not saying all Latin families do that. But the point is clear. Look at the disdain the father and the mother both had. Yeah. There's obviously some passion behind that entire scene that was written. Somebody on that writing staff has some experience with that. You can tell because it was fucking spot on. And we talk a lot about agendas, you know, writers, showrunners wanting to tackle socially relevant headlines or issues. This is the proper way of doing it because it doesn't feel naive. Uh, many times on the CW, we get these awkward social commentaries that feel Like, they were written out on the back of a Cracker Jack box. Like, they weren't fully thought out. Like, the writers involved didn't really have an experience. They just wanted to say something important and get a pat on the back for being such a good person.
1: You mean like they went to the Wikipedia page for gay and lesbian issues and wrote (laughs) word for word what happens in those things?
0: Right. Or have a gun episode and never really... Truly commit to any one idea they commit to 25 different ideas because they didn't want to offend anyone because they went to the
1: gun control wikipedia page and what does it say it says yeah. these people want this These people want this
0: so yeah. let's put it all in there yeah the writers here committed to an idea they knew something about it and it's going to work in the long run for this series as well as this character so i'm glad they did what they did it was definitely yeah. Definitely a good way to peel back those layers for one of our new characters. And surprisingly, I i honestly didn't think I would care about Wildcat, but I did. Because, like I said, I groaned when I saw that the episode was titled Wildcat. I was like, shit. So good job, Stargirl team, for actually making me care about this character, even though her her. Let's be honest. Her costume is kind of, kind of silly. The helmet does is not very cool. What, what no, do you the, think about that? That 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 is uh,
1: that looks like one of those one size fits all masks that they put on. Well, it kind of was, wasn't it? Wasn't it? it, it <laughs> wasn't yeah, I mean, point? technically, um, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it just it's it's a weird. There there was a lot of Black Panther vibe in it. Like mm-hmm. it was
0: like watching
1: a bootleg porn
0: Black Panther. Oh geez, like uh, you go to Pornhub and search Black Panther, and that's what would come up. That's the costume, you yeah. know, because it kind of even had the purple,
1: you know, um, kinetic energy thing that the, the Black Panther yeah. had. Um, <laughs> the, the yeah, the costume, the cow. I think it was the cow was the main part. The cow helmet cowl- thing would just did not work for me. Yeah, it, it just, it seemed like it was some gold paint away from being a Mardi Gras mask, like an oversized Mardi Gras mask.
0: Yeah, it was, it was the cheekbones. I think that uh, the cheekbone area, that's what really bothered me. Something about that, it was too, it's too curved, too angular, and it just looks like a, a toy mask.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't. I mean, the costume was honestly distracting at some points. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if there was a negative about the Wildcat character, it was the the costume. But, you know, you, you talk a lot about the, the heart of the show and, you know, the, the whole point of hope and having fun. And, you know, those are things that I loved about Flash at the beginning of it. And, you yeah. know, they lost their way. And even, like, the stupid, like, training montage thing, it just reminded me of why superheroes are so cool. I mean, yeah. especially when they're not like born that way that this is something that they've turned into Mm -hmm. because i mean that was one of my favorite parts of shazam you know when they're trying to figure out what shazam's powers were and he's like i'm invisible and he's like i can't see you where are you yeah you know (laughs) that kind of shit is funny and like uh you could always land on your feet you have to jump wait what (laughs) you know um yeah you know see that you're right you're right that type of scene is, is. it makes you remember why you like comic book characters.
0: Yeah. We don't always need the brooding and serious. It is something like this is fun. I agree. I, that moment where they were reading the Wikipedia page, essentially, <laughs> of Wildcat's abilities was fucking amazing. I was like, yeah. this is fucking great because this is exactly what people would do. If we were to find a costume of, say, let's say Superman existed, and we're like, hey, According to his wiki page, this is what you can do. It's good. It's spot on. I love it. Yeah, it definitely works, dude. But doubling down on that idea just a bit with the costume and trying to figure out what Wildcat is capable of doing. I will say that's one of the greatest things about this show so far. The fact that they have made the masks and the staff the fact that they are essentially adaptive and responsive to its user. I'm assuming mm-hmm. all of the costumes will be the same way. It bypasses the need to see them slowly train. You know, because one of my biggest problems with superhero shows is you introduce a new hero. They have no experience in fighting. They've never even thrown a punch. And in two episodes, they're jumping around doing flips and, and taking a hit like a champ to the face. Whereas this idea It just bypasses the entire thing. The fact that Stargirl can even fight is because the staff is adaptive to her it's It's doing some of the work for her. Yes, mm-hmm. she is athletically inclined, but the staff is assisting, and same thing with the mask. The mask adapts and it helps them with their superhero abilities. I love it because then we don't have to worry and question, well, why, how is Yolanda fighting? And yes, we saw her on a punching bag, but fighting a villain and punching a punching bag when you're 16 years old is very different. So the um, fact that they use that little gimmick, that mm-hmm. little cheat, I guess you can call it, I love it because it does away with the suspension of disbelief that you need to accept that they are super elite fighter badasses. You just, you just go with it because of that. The brother's gonna take the pen um uh, the kid you don't like or the yeah. londas because
1: no no the kid i don't like remember really? she threw, she threw the pen and the like the cup with the rest of them remember she was trying to click it you talked about being adaptive and only oh, worked yeah, for yeah. certain people uh-huh. and it it wasn't working for her and she just kind of tossed it into the the cup of pens like everybody has I bet you the, the 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 brother's gonna grab that and it's gonna you know respond to him. Oh, he's gonna be an annoying
0: superhero. <laughs> I, I was honestly, just thinking, I, I don't despise him or by any means, but I do. I would like to see him have a purpose. Yeah, yeah. You imagine uh, him being a superhero and his poor dad is still a sidekick? That that's gotta suck. Oh, <laughs> sounds like my life. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you you get the most powerful weapon that, that they have. And my dad has to build a fucking robot.
0: Way all right. Go. So uh, Wildcat, let's talk a little bit about Wildcat. Wildcat in DC Comics. Wildcat is the name of several fictional characters, all DC Comics superheroes. The first and most famous being Theodore Ted Grant, a longtime member of the Just Society Of America, a world-class heavyweight boxer. Grant became entangled inadvertently in the criminal underworld. Now, we have seen different versions of Wildcat throughout the years. Uh, More, I think most recently, we saw Grant's Wildcat. He was a recurring character on the third season of Arrow played by J.R. Ramirez. He was the dude that trained Laurel for a while. And I remember we had theorized that he's gonna end up becoming a big part of the show. And for whatever reason, he didn't because he is a fairly big name, especially at that time. He was kind of he was an up and comer. He ended up being on a season of Jessica Jones. He was on a season of power. Uh, He is one of those actors that Mm -hmm. have has recently hit a bump in his career. So he's in a lot of things. So I had thought this was going to be it for him. So for whatever reason, he bailed, and they never really expanded on the Wildcat character. Now, up until now, of course, we have this version here on Stargirl. And let's see here. Yolanda Montez is, in fact, a real character. She isn't made up. They're not just pulling shit out of their their ass. Uh, In the comic book, she's actually born with metahuman powers. And she is directly connected to the villain Doctor Benjamin Love. So whether or not we'll see that character remains to be seen. Um, but they are taking some liberties, and I'm okay with that. How do you feel, being a comic book nut job, Bob? Are you okay with um, writing teams on shows taking liberties like that? I, I th- yes, uh, as long as the heart of the character is there, I could
1: care less how it gets there. Y- yeah, you know what I mean. It doesn't have to be. A word-by-word copy, you know, or screen, you know, um, exact replica of whatever was in the comics. If they get the character right, you know, I don't care if they change color. Yeah, I don't care if they change a sex, (laughs) a relation. If the heart is there, if the passion is there, if those things that made you believe in this character are there, I could care less what you do with them.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty much the same. I know there are some sticklers out there that will cry and throw a shit fit if something is different. But first off, like most of us under,
1: think about when they're like, "We're gonna make James Bond black." It's like uh, Echols Elba's a fucking excellent actor. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, he shouldn't be black. Well, why not? Like, you want good actors to play James Bond? Who gives a shit?
0: Yeah. I feel the same way. As long as the, the heart, you're right, as long as the heart is there. And I feel the same way with adaptations, you know, books being made into movies. I don't expect it to be the same. In fact, many times I don't want it to be the same because I want a surprise when I go into the movie. I want to feel like I'm seeing something new. But as long as you capture the essence, if the writers and directors understand the characters they use or the material they're adapting, if they understand it, that understanding will be conveyed uh, when we all view the finished product, yeah. So that's more that's more important than anything. The understanding of the characters that's the most important thing.
1: Here's a secret: Rudy isn't a real movie. Most of that shit was made up. It's but real. The idea was the same. Um, uh, like, I don't know how many different like that's why they say based on a true story. Yeah, <laughs> because well, they have to Hollywood shit up or it doesn't sell.
0: Yeah, most people's lives are very boring, even if it inspired a true story. So, yeah. all right. so we did see a new villain this episode. Dr. Ito, also known as the Dragon King. This guy's pretty cool. I am hoping we see a whole lot more of him, because I read up on his background here. Dr. Ito is a deadly and mysterious hooded doctor, commonly known as Dragon King. He is a controversial scientist who has been experimenting on himself and his victims since the 1940s. Now this is from the DCU star girl page. So this is actually compliant with what they're actually doing. This isn't just comic book information on his background. Uh, the dragon King also altered his DNA to become a human reptile hybrid. His human name is Dr. E Edo, however, Very few people refer to him as such. Hmm. I like this character. He is a little more dangerous and he seems a little less predictable. Uh, And even though I enjoy the hell out of Icicle, we understand what he's about for the most part. They did a great job setting him up in the previous episode. But now let's see some new faces that we aren't quite sure what they're willing to do now he did make it a point to say that he is loyal and that he's not he's not unloyal like he said what um, the magician dude the wizard and he mentioned another character that we have not seen or heard of yet and it was I believe Shade was that the name he brought up yeah he says I am not like the people who are unloyal like uh, Shade and the wizard now, Shade is an interesting character. Whether or not we're going to see him or not it remains to be seen. But he comes with some really dark lore. And it would be interesting to see him. I just don't know if we're going to have room for yet another supervillain like this. According to his DC background, the Shade eliminated all the light in Keystone City by means of a special machine has developed a connection to the Shadowlands, a realm of primordial darkness and nightmare. This connection allows Shade to fashion illusions and manifest true terrors made up of pure darkness from the shadows around him. That sounds pretty wicked. I would not mind seeing that, but I kind of got the idea he was dealt with already. Like, he was killed, right? Is that kind of the vibe you got? Yeah. Um you got me starting
1: to look up fucking Dragon King shit and i wish i wouldn't have uh oh did you get
0: did you hit some spoilers yeah definitely hit some spoilers yeah i avoid those i'm only i only went to the page where dcu was it's promoting the character. Oh, <laughs> so I yeah, figured they somehow, would only... Somehow
1: I ended up on uh, Stargirl Wiki, and it's like a new generation of Justice, and they have all these characters. I'm like, hmm, let me click on this. Oh, that's who that is? Okay. I'm going to stop clicking on characters now.
0: Yeah. If I don't know about the character, I try not to read too much about them, because... Well, of that, uh, very yeah,
1: thing. no, it, it's it's fun for us <laughs> again, being somebody that knows way too much about way too many characters that have a whole set here that I really don't know shit about. It's awesome just to learn and not have to worry about whether they got it right or wrong. It's OK, cool. I, I understand what you're doing. You, you're setting up your character. This is great.
0: So, yeah, should be cool. There's a lot of great things moving forward with this show i feel like we're what four episodes in yeah and i i feel like the pacing is really good like I, there isn't a problem with pacing i feel like the world and the story is progressing appropriately we're not slowing down we're, we're keeping the pacing going so overall i enjoyed this episode i'm gonna give it an 85 on the rmd score bob what are your final thoughts as well as your score um, my final thoughts are:
1: You're right. The the pacing and everything that they're doing, the special effects with the the uh, the claws and Wildcat and doing the flips and everything were awesome. Um, you know, again, the the playfulness of remembering that these are teenagers learning abilities, you know, just made it fun to watch. Um, but again, when you go, we we talk the pacing we've said that word probably six times now in the last two minutes but the fact is I'm so used to having shows come in and go okay uh, this is this I'm going to learn an ability we're going to fight a bad guy it's going to be over well no that's not how this has happened you know they learned the ability they kind of went through and they're learning more about what is going to be the bigger bad and the uh, you know eventually yeah, and so that that kind of stuff is working, pushing the story along, and and then having uh, Luke Owen Wilson's character, um, you know, what you know, what is he building? What is he putting together? You know, he's going to this junkyard, and like, why are you going to the junkyard this whole time? And then to find the car, you know, they're doing cool things to kind of set this stuff up. Uh, so overall, I would give this an eighty-two. Um, again, I don't think it was as strong as the first three episodes, but it, there's nothing there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, it was, you know, a good, but I don't think it was the most memorable thing. You know, the first couple episodes, there were some memorable scenes, um, you know, either using CGI or whatever that I, that, that'll stand out in my mind. There's not a lot that was going to stand out in my mind in this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying the show, man. I, I'm hoping they keep it together. Uh, yeah. s- looking at the DC Universe rapport or what they, I should say, their formula and what they've been putting out. For the most part, the DCU does keep their their shows together and uh, except for, a course, Swamp Thing. But that was not because of their doing it was because of cancellation and they were forced to cut what, like three or four episodes off. Yeah. The season four, order four episodes off the back end. Yeah, so that was a whole other problem. But setting that issue aside, the DCU has continued to put out some really good shows, and I don't think this is going to be any different. So uh, um we we haven't
1: talked about it, but this is the second episode that was only the forty-two minutes that are normally for broadcast television. Yeah, they they haven't lost out anything in losing those nine, nine ten minutes.
0: No, because they oh. fucking know how to write. It's all about writers. That's all. Yeah. It's always about writers. If you have a team that knows what the fuck they're doing, it doesn't matter. You can deliver something gold in 40, what, 47, 45 minutes. So, and the ratings are holding up. In fact, because there is a lot of positive word of mouth, it seems like the ratings are going up. A lot of people didn't pay attention for the premiere, but after this episode, it had a 16% increase and it drew the. Top rating on the CW with a 1.11 million total viewers. Which is double what the Legends of Tomorrow finale got. Yes. And they said it also beat out the Flash's best in-season finale. So... Mm. Raise your bar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, this show has the ability to... As we had said, it's going to turn heads because it's a DCU production. It, it's going to turn heads. People who aren't subscribed to the, you know, the $6 a month DC Universe app are now going to be exposed to this show that normally wouldn't. And now there's going to be word of mouth. There's going to be kids that are talking about this at school, telling their buddies to watch it. In fact, I know firsthand we have uh, about a half a dozen listeners have already reached out saying they had no interest in watching the show. But now they are because we are covering it and because we have talked about it favorably on these shows now if a half a dozen people have reached out we already know a lot of people don't reach out yeah so how many other yeah. people now from our side of things are now giving the show a chance or will in the coming months yeah you're welcome dcu give us yeah. screeners <laughs> All right. So this does bring us to the end of our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Remember, you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes. Just search DC on RMD for our DC content. If you just want the Stargirl edition, then you can search DC on RMD, the Stargirl edition. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Mike. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God, would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour.